Hello and welcome to this episode of the 10 Minute Leader. Our guest today is Dennis Kelly. Now, Dennis Kelly is going to share with you a number of gems around leadership. Now, he's the CEO of Postalytics, a company that actually specializes in automating direct mail marketing, but being able to measure the results and connecting it to CRM and marketing automation. So it's really interesting niche that he has built. This is part one of my interview with him. You'll be able to find part two shortly as well. And a few things about Dennis Kelly, he's got some registered patents. He's been able to share in this episode a number of things that he has learned as being a leader, including significant moments in his career that have helped shape his leadership approach and style, the advice he'd give himself if he'd go back in time and be able to talk to himself, and then just the importance of choosing the right market for your products and services. So again, this is part one. Enjoy and hope you learn some really great things that you can apply to your own leadership. Well, hello and welcome everyone to the 10 Minute Leader. This is where we talk to world-class leaders about leadership, business, and life in these small conversations that you can listen to on the way to the office or on the way, I guess these days, on the way to the office might just be walking down your stairs to your basement like I get to do. But wherever you might be going, these bite-sized conversations. Today, we have a special guest. His name is Dennis Kelly, and he is the CEO of Postalytics. And that is a fast-growing software company that automates direct mail marketing, measures the results, and connects it to CRM and marketing automation. So Dennis is from Massachusetts. He's been a lifelong entrepreneur and business leader. At one point, he was co-owner of Wireless City, for example, a chain of 37 Verizon wireless stores. And he's built and launched and been a part of many other businesses as well. And when Dennis is not taking care of his business, he enjoys being a husband and a father. So welcome to the podcast, Dennis. Is there anything I missed or made a mistake on in my introduction of you? No, not at all. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be here today. My wife and children will be listening. So very happy that you said I'm focused on father and husband when I'm not working. Well, and I don't talk very much about this kind of thing with the leaders. I probably should do some episodes around what that role is like being a business leader, business owner, and having a family and all those dynamics. It definitely adds another layer to the whole equation, trying to find that elusive, maybe mythical work-life balance and how you kind of tie that all together, right? Especially as a high-performing leader. Mythical indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Dennis, one of the things that I found out about you as I got a little bit of preparation for our time here today, and I didn't tell you I'd ask about this, but on your LinkedIn profile, it says that you have a registered patent. What's your registered patent all about? Is it exciting or is it not exciting? It is not exciting at all. My name is on a couple of software patents that engineers who I've worked with in various companies have been the primary authors of, and I contributed from a kind of conceptual perspective. I think one of them has to do with the inspection of XML data data packets coming over a network. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, we have a couple of patents that have been issued here at Postalytics that have to do with the way that our software analyzes the response to direct mail okay. and, and then kind of how the campaigns are managed around that. Again, pretty far down in the weeds, but uh, very pertinent for what we're doing today. Well, and I haven't checked this for sure, but you may be my first guest who has a registered patent on the 10 minute leader. So right. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, you talked about one of your patents being connected with Postalytics. Tell me a little bit about Postalytics. What does the company do? I know we talk about direct mail, but maybe flesh it out a little bit and who should really pay attention to what you do? Sure, sure. So Postalytics, as you mentioned, is a software company. And so we build software that helps marketers at small to mid-sized businesses uh, build direct mail campaigns, manage those campaigns, and then analyze what has happened in those campaigns in a fraction of the time that it would take to do a direct mail campaign the traditional way. 
Okay. Uh, a lot of folks may say to themselves, well, direct mail, Dennis, welcome. Where's your pager from the year 2000? What we're actually finding is that with email and digital overload, that folks that are deploying direct mail campaigns are very successful, having much higher response rates than in the past. And part of the reason why is there's just less competition in the mailbox. Right. And so a lot of our customers are either new to direct mail or coming back to direct mail. They've invested in other marketing technologies and they want direct mail to work in conjunction with their email and their digital right. campaigns and their website. And so what we enable is a sort of fast, easy solution to plug into what you already have from a marketing tech perspective, add direct mail without a big lift. You have to hire extra people. It can be done in a matter of a couple hours and you get campaigns up and running that will boost the response of your existing email and digital. Right. Yeah, I like that. So basically innovating the use of direct mail is kind of the short version of what you do and make it tie in with all those things that we use these days, CRM and all those other things. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting a few years ago when we were taking a look at this, what we realized was that there's been an explosion of investment in marketing technology. Everybody knows. Everybody's doing email. Everybody's doing social ads and Google ads and everything else. And what we saw was direct mail is still this huge legacy business. We have some numbers in states. Direct mail accounts for about a $40 billion a year spend in a total basis. But there's been no investment in tech in that right. space. And so what we saw was really an opportunity to take a legacy marketing channel and really update it and bring it into kind of the digital marketing age. And nice. so that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's great. And when we were chatting earlier, you said that you've recently made an arrangement with Canada Post to bring what you do more into Canada as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. We've worked really hard with Canada Post and with a print and mail partner up in Canada. And so now marketers in Canada can use Postalytics and print and mail locally in Canada using Canada Post. Marketers also can do campaigns that are on both sides of the border. We're finding a tremendous number of companies have customers in Canada and the States. And rather than having to do, go get two different vendor relationships and build two different types of campaigns, it's very fast and easy to set up a single piece of creative, whether it's a postcard or a letter or whatever it is you want to send, and then have it automatically sent out to both countries just with a click of a button. I think that's great. So business leaders, if you're listening in on this and you either are using direct mail or have been considering it, or maybe you haven't been considering it and you want to talk to someone, reach out to Postalytics and then chat with them to help you figure out whether it makes sense for your business and how to make that happen. Dennis, one of the things that I was really excited about chatting with you about is because of all your experience in so many different types of business, starting up different businesses. I mean, lots of them in the tech sector, of course, but just different types and different products that you were working on. It's kind of hearing a little bit about some of the ways that you've learned about being a leader, being an entrepreneur. When you think back to your years, and I'm making you sound like you've got lots of years under your belt, Dennis, and I'm not trying to do that, but tell me about some of the significant, significant moments in your career that have helped shape you and your leadership approach and your style in being a business leader. Sure. So I think as a general rule, when you're an entrepreneur, there are a lot of different ways to become successful, but all entrepreneurs are dogged right? They don't quit. They don't give up easily. I think that one of the challenges we all face, and I think that this challenge has been accentuated here the last couple of years since the pandemic, I think it's really hard to find great employees. I think that as an entrepreneur, you really need to think about what kind of boss do you want to be? What I've kind of evolved to is to try to be the boss that I would want. 
Hmm. Right. And what kind of communication and what kind of support I want to have if I were starting out my career or if I were jumping into this new company. And so I think that creating a culture where people want to enjoy what they're doing, work really hard, stay and get it really invest in their career at a company is hard to do. And I think you have to really consciously make an effort to create that type of culture and communication between you as an entrepreneur and, and then your early employees and then set that standard for when those people start hiring people, how are they going to act as managers? How are they going to treat their employees? That's certainly, I think, one big area. I think one of the other things that stands out to me is that you're better off making quick decisions, even if they're hard. Often when I've made difficult decisions to retrench, pivot, I wish that I had done it a year earlier or two years earlier. I think it's really hard when you are this kind of dogged person who's grinding every day to try to make something successful to take a step back sometimes and say, you know what, there's something fundamentally wrong that we need to do differently. And that means kind of giving up on all this that I've been focused on building for a while and trying something else. That's been, I think, an ongoing challenge for me as an entrepreneur, because I like to get my hands dirty. I like to be down actually doing stuff and not just being an executive sitting back and watching. Right. I think having a sounding board, having mentors or board of directors or advisors that you could talk to just about where you're at, and then really being able to step away and make hard decisions about changing direction is, I think, a huge thing. It's worked out a couple of times for me. It's worked out with Postalytics as, as an example. We started off in a different direction, all in the direct mail space, but a very different product. And, and we took some of that original product, pivoted over to Postalytics five years ago. We've been growing like crazy ever since. But, you know, I wish I had made the call a couple of years earlier because sure. uh, you'd be that much further along if I had. Right. So if you were able to head back and talk to Dennis from that time period, when you look back and say, oh, I wish I would have made the change earlier, what, what would you have told yourself? Like, what would have been the advice on, hey, like, you got to embrace the moment. What would you tell him? I think at the end of the day, when you're building a startup, sales should be pretty easy, right? And if they're not pretty easy consistently then something's off, right? Because you don't want to build just another Me Too business. The world doesn't need another Coke or Pepsi, right? It needs something that is different. And when you've created something different, if you're selling to the right people, it ought to be a relatively painless process. And of course, not everybody's going to buy from you, but it shouldn't be like a long, drawn-out, difficult sales process. A few years ago, that's where we ended up with the first product, we thought we'd built some really good software and the sales cycle was just dragging on and on. And then we ended to add all these professional services to help the clients kind of get up and running. And what we eventually figured out was, well, it wasn't our tactics. It wasn't our sales tactics. It wasn't tweaking the product a little bit. It wasn't trying a different marketing approach. We were selling to the wrong people. Hmm. We had chosen a target market to sell the software to. There are people that just really didn't want to buy technology. You can build all, you can have the best tactics and have the best product, right? But if you're selling to the wrong audience, you're just going to struggle. And that's really what we did for a few years until we decided to stick a fork in it, take some of that tech we built and go after a different audience. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that's been, I think, a huge lesson for me. And this is a couple of times now where we've had to make that tough call, 
stick a fork in something we've been working on, right. lay some people off, move in a different direction. So I wish I had done that earlier. Right. And that's really relevant to what the last number of years have been like for a lot of businesses, right? With the way that COVID has forced a lot of businesses to pivot or change or close down, right? I mean, that's been the, the big thing. Thanks for listening to that episode of the Dennis Kelly interview. Again, this is part one. So try to stay tuned for part two coming up and go and apply something that you learned today into your own leadership journey.